0: Well, in Revelation chapter 1, we not only get glimpses of the glory and majesty of the person and nature of Christ, but we also get insights into his ministry to us as our great high priest. He loves us and he's interceding for you and me today if we belong to him. More about the unveiling of the person and ministry of Jesus in Revelation 1 today on Walk in Truth.
1: Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
0: Oh, go to Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel. You gotta, you gotta go there. You just have to. <laughs> Ezekiel is just before Daniel. So you already know where it is. Ezekiel. Go to chapter 1. So Ezekiel, there's a lot of stuff in Revelation that is alluded to from Ezekiel, but let me just show you some highlights. Chapter 1, verse 26. Images of God's glory from Ezekiel. Chapter 1, verse 26. Now above the expanse that was over their heads. one twenty-six. There was something resembling a throne like Lapis Lazuli in appearance. And on that which resembled a throne high up was a figure with the appearance of a man, 127. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire. There was radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Go all the way to Ezekiel 40. Ezekiel chapter 40. Look at verse 1. Ezekiel 40, verse 1. In the 25th year of our exile, the beginning of the year, on the 10th of the month, in the 14th year after the city was taken, On that same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me there. In the visions of God, he brought me, Ezekiel 40, verse 2, into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. Similar to what John's going through, Ezekiel goes through. And on it, to the south, there was a structure like a city. So he brought me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he was standing in the gateway. And the man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and give attention to all that I'm going to show you. For you have been brought here in order to show it to you. Declare to the house of Israel all that you see. You see the parallel? Send this to the seven churches, all that you see. Ezekiel's told, you tell this to the house of Israel. Go to chapter 43, look at verse 1. 43, 1 says, Then he led me to the gate. The gate facing toward the east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the way of the east. There's an eastern gate on the Temple Mount today that is closed, interestingly enough. And uh, we'll get a chance to look at it when we're up on the Temple Mount area, when we go to Israel. Behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the way of the east, and his voice was like what? The sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. And it was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when he came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. John's gonna do the same in a moment. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east and the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Man, purity, power, holiness. These prophets, even though their jobs were tough, back to Revelation 1, man, they got to see some incredible stuff. And as John turns and he's seeing who we know is Jesus Christ, he says this. After he describes his voice, his eyes, his hair, his purity, his power, he says, In his right hand, he held seven stars out of his mouth. Remember, symbolic language here out of his mouth came a sharp, two edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Can you imagine? John might say, You got any? Ray-Bans or Oakleys that I can wear? <laughs> you ever go outside, you're, at a, you're in a dimly lit room and you go outside and it's bright and your eyes can barely even take like the concrete. And you're like, whoa. Can you imagine? John must have had super sunglasses because his face was like the sun shining its, in its strength. When uh, Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, that's how he described Jesus. He said he was his He shined brighter than the noonday sun. Well, it shouldn't surprise us. He made the sun. The future Jerusalem has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it for the the lamb in the midst of it is its light. Those who have wisdom and knowledge will shine, Daniel 12.3, like the stars forever and ever. He holds in his hand, in his right hand, power, authority, protection, Seven stars. We'll get to that in a second. He's got a sharp two-edged sword. Symbolic language coming out of his mouth speaks of correction and judgment. The word of God is what? Powerful. It's authoritative. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a discerner. Of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In the armor of God, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. The sword is an image of cutting, cutting deep, even of defensive and offensive strength. And he's got the sharp sword. He's going to speak sharply to the churches in some cases. And of course, his word of judgment is going to come on the world. And his face man, his face is glorious. Isaiah 49.2 says, He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He has also made me a select arrow. Speaking of Messiah, he has hidden uh, me in his quiver. This is the servant of the Lord. This is the power of God's word. And when I saw him, 17, Revelation 1, I fell at his feet as a dead man. Can you imagine, John? He had spent so much time with Jesus, but when he sees Jesus in his glory, what does he do? He falls down like a dead man. We have some people in our current age who have said they saw God, they had to put their arm around the Lord and say, it's gonna be okay, you'll get over it. I don't think so. If you have an encounter with Almighty God from everything I can see in Scripture, you hit the deck... And wonder why you're not dead. Samson's parents, upon seeing the angel of the Lord, were surprised that they weren't dead. And this is John. He knew Jesus. But man, this is the glorified Lord. And he laid his right hand upon me and he said, as John had heard so many times in Jesus' earthly ministry, don't be afraid, stop fearing. I am the first. And I am the last. Don't be afraid. Some of you just need to receive that for yourself tonight. He'll touch you, and he'll say, don't be afraid. I'm the beginning, and I'm the end. I know where this train's going. I got you. I'm not going to let you go. You're in my right hand. No one's going to snatch you out of my hand. But John, as one writer put it, had to be on sensory overload, right? Wow, whoa, whoa, look at his eyes, look at his head, look at his hair, look at that. What a voice. Down. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you hit the carpet? I'd be in a fetal position, man. John was seeing some incredible stuff. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, I am ruined. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the Lord. And they took a coal from, remember, from the fire, and his mouth was touched. He was purified. John probably felt as impure as you can feel. Remember when Peter saw Jesus with the catch of fish, and he said, Lord, depart from me, I am a sinful man. In the presence of God, when we see God for who he is and us for who we are, you don't want to look. Your eyes can't look upon him. He's too holy. That's your God. When you understand how holy the one is who came and died for you and loves you so much, it changes everything. Don't be afraid. I'm the living one, verse 18. He says, I was dead. There's no doubt that this is Jesus. Right after we have the description of the first and the last, then he says, I'm the living one. I was dead. That has to be Jesus. There's no doubt. Jesus is God. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He's resurrected. He'll never die again. It's impossible for death to hold him. And I, verse 18 says Jesus, have the keys of death end of Hades. We're going to see death and Hades uh, later on in the book. In fact, death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire in Revelation 20. What is Hades? Well, Hades is a Greek parallel, but not exactly parallel with the Hebrew word Sheol. Sheol often means the grave, but Hades really means the place of departed spirits or the place of the dead. He has the keys. The gates of Hades will not Prevail against the church. In the ancient world, gates were not for offense, but they were for defense. That means that the church is rushing the gates of Hades, and the gates of Hades won't be able to prevail against us. We got to be more on the offensive, not the defensive. Amen. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth Weekend program.
1: You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to get the Revelation DVD series by Pastor Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ and how he speaks to his church in both words of commendation and correction. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the Seven Sealed Scroll, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and many other intriguing truths that expose God's plan for planet Earth, the unbelieving world, and his church. Join Michael Lance in a DVD series of this dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVD teaching The Mark of the Beast, The Seven Seals, and The New Heaven and New Earth. All available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Click on store. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The church
0: is rushing the gates of Hades, and the gates of Hades won't be able to prevail against us. we got to be more on the offensive, not the defensive. Amen? Amen. We're going to go to a place, to mention Israel again, where people literally thought Caesarea Philippi, and there's going to be a mountain there, and we'll, we'll see it when we go to Israel, was the gates of Hades. But the gates of Hades speaks of the power of life and death. Whoever has the keys... Holds the power. Jesus has the keys, notice, of death and of Hades. So we live in a world where we're not going to last. And we get scares, medical reports, checkups. We get phone calls. And death comes. And when you start thinking about people that you love and People that you've lost, and you say, Is there an answer to this terrible dilemma of death? Man, I'm sure glad he's got the keys. You know, this is not just a book about, oh, let's find out more about the end times. This is a book about life and death. This is a church wondering, does he have the keys? Or is the emperor? No, the emperor doesn't have the keys. Jesus says, I was dead and I'm alive. And because I live, you're going to live. Jesus is the prince of life. And so death's sting will be destroyed because Jesus has the keys. And if you know him, you will live. And then verse 19, as we wind down for tonight and we are almost done. What people say is a common kind of uh, division of the book. It's... It's a way to say an outline for the rest of the way. Write, therefore, says this one who is the risen Christ, the things which you have seen. If you're taking notes, that's the first part of this outline. The things write the things that you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things. You may be interested that in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, in Daniel, I think it's two twenty-eight. This phrase after these things has to do with latter times. There's a connection there. So it's the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things, which can be in a uh, reference to the things in the last days. So you could say it's apocalyptic, figurative, and eschatological is one way to say it, or simply put, what he has seen, the vision of Jesus Christ in chapter one, the things which are, the true state of events especially but not exclusively regarding the seven churches in revelation 2 and 3 and what will take place after these things the future of the world which begins in chapter 4 running through really the rest of the book and finally verse 20 as for the mystery that word is mysterion in greek a sacred secret he uh, once hidden now revealed of the seven stars you might be wondering who are they we get the answer The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. He keeps us bright and there's these angels. Now, uh, as we conclude, there's a lot of different views on who the angels of these churches are. And here's the thing. Each of the churches is introduced this way, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, right? The word angel in Greek is angelos. The city of angels is Los Angeles. And that is the Greek word coming from the Greek word angelos. So Los Angeles is the city of angels. The Greek word translated angel or messenger is angelos. That's what it means. It means messenger. So, some people say these are literally angels. Some people say these are the pastors or elders of the churches. Some people say it's the essential spirit of each of these churches, like the characteristics of the churches. Uh, some people say it may reflect the, does each church have a guardian angel? Well, here we would definitely need more than one, don't you think? <laughs> I'm hoping there's like 500 just for this church, right? But why would John be told to write to angels of the churches from God to John back to angels? Seems a bit bizarre. It would seem there's a better communication system in heaven. I mean, I don't think God would say, uh, Michael, I want you to write a letter to Gabriel. <laughs> it's like, Lord, you talk, don't you talk to him every day? So it seems strange that... They're literal angels. So that's why the best case seems to be that they're the leading pastors of the church. However, and I'll close with this, go to two scriptures and we're done. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10. Let me show you just a few things about this idea of angels' involvement in the church. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10 says... Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. What's it say? Because of the angels. Some versions say the Dodgers there, but I'm just kidding. They they, they really don't. They really don't. Strike that from the record. Because of the angels. A woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. And finally, (laughs) Ephesians, all Dodger fans said amen. Ephesians 3 Look at verse 9, Ephesians 3, 9. He's talking about the great mystery of the church, and he says these words. He says, I've been called, Ephesians 3, 8, to preach the, to the Gentiles the unfathomable, unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light, Ephesians 3, 9, what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities. Where? In the heavenly places. When we pray in the morning before church begins, I often pray, Lord, surround this place with your angels. Is that biblical? I think so. I think... Angels are involved in the church more than you and I might think. In fact, they seem to be somehow watching our worship and somehow, according to Ephesians 3, 8 through 10, learning more and more about God, and angels do seem to learn they're not omniscient, learning more and more about God's manifold grace through the church. How so? I think as the church goes through its ups and downs and the angels watch God's love and grace in our lives, they learn more about the grace of God through you and me. Some of you are teaching the angels a lot about grace. <laughs> they're like, wow, just one day watching that dude. God is a God of grace. That's when they're watching me. <laughs> Amen. So we'll get into the address, uh, who this is. But I, I do think it's the lead, probably the leader of each church. But, but this revelation of Jesus Christ, I hope it just thrills your heart. I hope it, it encourages your soul. I hope you can see that he, he does repair broken wicks and refill cups with oil. And he lights the fire again. And he's glorious and powerful. And he can do it. And he's going to see you to the finish line. Amen. That's the message. I think of Revelation 1. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We are, I'm grateful for the folks that have come out for this Revelation study. It's a deep study, but it's good, Lord. And we're so grateful to be part of it. And we pray that you'll take us all the way through this book and show us glorious things from your word that will encourage and even thrill our hearts, that will Uh, Increase our faith that will anchor our souls to Jesus more firmly and give us great confidence that whatever we go through, the Alpha and the Omega has got us to the very end. We love you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon this group. I pray for those who may not know you yet or those who have been sliding away a bit to get back to close fellowship with you. I think that's part of the reason for this book, Lord. And I I ask your blessing on each precious soul here tonight. Give them what they need. Touch them in those areas where they need a touch, Lord. Strengthen their faith in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You know, when we introduced the book of Revelation, we said that this is a book that promises a unique blessing. When you read and heed the book, there's a blessing. And you know, sometimes the book of Revelation, people just automatically think of doom and gloom. But this book is really about unveiling, revealing the Lord, his plan that he's going to finish what he started and it's going to end up with a glorious city where the curse has been reversed forever. This book ultimately is about good news and we're going to hit some bad news to get to the good news. So hang in there in your walk with Jesus. He will finish what he started. Now, greetings. I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and the book of Revelation is a very exciting study. It's an exciting read. It's exciting to get into it and break it down. And I'd like to encourage you to dive deeper into this book, and let me help you do that. You can go online and order our DVD series about the seven seals, the new heaven and earth, and the mark of the beast. Now, I know you or someone you know are curious about these topics, and that's why we have them available to you at Walk in Truth. Remember, when you get into the Word of God, it strengthens your walk. It strengthens you for what you need to be as a believer. And when you buy these products, you partner with us in helping us reach out to more people. Click on the store tab at walkintruth.com, the store tab at walkintruth.com, and get these exciting products that will help strengthen your walk with the Lord. Hey, I'm happy that you're out and about this morning listening to radio, and I want to invite you and your family to come out to Living Truth Christian Fellowship today. The first service starts in just a couple of hours. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. this morning. I'll be teaching in the book of 1 Corinthians, going through it verse by verse, looking at worship, looking at the body of Christ, spiritual gifts. It's an exciting study. Now, the church is Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. That's 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God in Corona. You just take the Lincoln exit, go north right off the 91 freeway, and you'll get to the church. I really would love to meet you. I'd love to meet your family. I'd love to give you a handshake or a hug or both. So come on out. I hope to see you today. Now come back on Monday as we'll begin a study in Revelation chapter two as we'll begin to see what Jesus says to his church, the seven churches, and we're gonna talk about returning to your first love. Coming back to loving God with everything that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself. Man, if you've been feeling far away, if you feel like your walk's become a bit mechanical and that passion has ebbed a bit, Make sure you listen on Monday as we return to our first love. Until then, may God bless you.
1: Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.